This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. First of all, I was at school, I was at an assembly, and I happened to hear a real piano being played for the first time by one of the teachers at school. And that really inspired me to decide what what I wanted to do. And then shortly after that, I, I had a friend who was more or less my age who orientated me around the keyboard. And then she decided that I must go further. So by the time I reached the age of six, I started lessons formally. Are you a brailleist, Rachel? I I am, but I think braille music sometimes can be quite tricky to navigate, which is why mainly I listen to my pieces being recorded by my teacher. So she might record the right hand with the fingering that we decided, so she'll call them out or she'll sing them out. And then we'll do the left hand afterwards. And then she'll put it together if I want it to be put together. Again, depending on the complexity of the piece. And can I ask you then about accents and phrasing then? Well, I do a combination of both. If I'm lucky, I might get the Braille scores ordered for me via the National Library, which is where I buy my Braille scores, if they have it in stock. But if they don't, then... The other alternative is obviously what I just said before, to learn by ear and actually get my pieces recorded, which is my main approach. And your piano teacher, how long have you worked with her? Ten years. She did say that it was interesting as a teacher for her to approach me because although she had taught a blind person in the past, she probably didn't realise I was going to be where I am now. The idea of touch, physicality, through the idea of tone, is probably more exciting to witness, I think, from a blind perspective than a sighted perspective, because you're having to hear, you're having to feel actually all the movements that are being created, so to actually make that sound. And I found it bewildering at first. I didn't understand the idea of practice. I didn't understand why technique was important. I was more interested in exploration of what side I wanted, what I wanted to pursue, what kind of things I wanted to do. And then when I did grade eight, when I participated in summer schools, that made me realize, and when I was inspired enough, just how interesting and also how important it was. How do you manage to transfer what you're hearing to the keys? I think, the mapping of the keyboard is easy to understand because you have white notes and then black notes, so you have two rows of, of keys, but they're grouped. For example, with black keys, you have groups of two and groups of three, groups of two, groups of three, but with the white notes, they're, they're continuous. And so then that makes you understand where things are. To the left of every two black notes is going to be a C. I found as well that when I learn a piece of music, it is easier for me to actually get a second piano in place so that 
I would just be shadowing what the teacher is doing from, say, a learning perspective. I'm not only hearing the notes, I'm also focusing on how chords feel under the hands as well. That's, that's also important and that really accelerates and amplifies the learning process as well. I'm just wondering then, is there any particular professional musician perhaps you listen to that inspires you? I'm really trying to preserve humanity in my playing. I don't care so much for perfection. And to be frank, I frequently listen to the older generation of pianists because that's, in my personal opinion, that's where the act of humanity occurs. That in no in the younger generation does not exist, unfortunately, so much. And this is where I think the unity is preserved in the older generation of pianists who really understood not only the, the elements of the score, but the presentation of character, and they communicated with an audience much more than, than our younger generation, who generally tended to feel it in their facial expressions, like Lang Lang and Daniel Trifanov. Although they're really good players, they don't convey really, for me, so much emotion through their sound as much as in their faces, and I think that needs to be turned around. You know, like I said before, the older generation really... Kempf, um, Edwin Fisher, I think really helps me to define what it is I want to convey. It's not that I want to be copying them directly, but I'm looking for a communicative element to express when I'm with an audience. So I'm not only smiling, but I'm convincing, I'm persuading them in as best I can. And I think even... I think it's also helpful to have, say, the teacher maybe looking through approaches of discussion of ideas as well and to ensure that I'm doing the right things, to, to ensure that I'm paying stylistically to the composer's intentions and I'm not, I'm not indulging so much. composers do you like to play? I actually wouldn't mind doing a bit of everything. I mean, I'm concentrating mostly on 19th century repertoire, so things like Beethoven, Chopin, Brahms. When the future is stretching out before you, is there something in your mind that you've got planned? I think I have the potential for versatility, so I'm currently, whenever I can, studying jazz as well. I do enjoy the improvisation. I like composing from time to time. I've also played in hotels and I just did 40 minutes. The staff and the, the guests really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed their reactions, how they sang along and that for me really sort of opened up a horizon for me to think, well, that's something that I might probably do. I've got ambitions that I want to achieve. I want to play more concertos with the orchestra.
Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.